All right, so we're just going to get into it, and then we'll talk magic and comics sure. and the documentary and everything. We'll see wherever roads it takes us. Excellent. Beaming from Pacific Junction Hotel to Earth. Girth. Uh, so welcome to Toronto. Oh, thanks, man. I really like it here. This is a really great town. Like, um, I've been to Canada a bunch of times, but never Toronto. So. Whereabouts in Canada have you kind of checked out? Uh, I was in I was in Calgary. I was in Edmonton a few okay. times. Um, I was in uh, those are good nerd Montreal. hubs too. Though. They're really really good. Yeah, I was I did a French tour, and then did the, did the I was in around for stuff in, related to the Montreal Comedy Festival. So I was up there, and then I was in uh, Victoria, right? Mm-hmm. And then the, what's the island? The little island, Victu- Vancouver Island. Vancouver Island. Yeah. yeah, I was there. So yeah, it was. That's that's what I've seen so far. But this yeah, is yeah. great. This is this is an amazing town. Yeah, BC is kind of like our uh, our nature. Like it's all got all the trees, and it's a very green province. Mm-hmm. And like um, right. Toronto's kind of more like New Yorkish, I guess. Kind of you know, right. what I mean? yeah, more city and like, but yeah. still very green and still kind of yeah, far more European influenced. Um, as far as like architecture, it's like it's a, an interesting mashup of. Um, of, of European architecture and uh, like again that sort of New York urban look. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's really oh, I love it. It's awesome. You do a lot of traveling for I, your I uh, magic gig. Is there kind of like my magic gig? Your, <laughs> ma- your, your magic gig. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> is that the best way to put it? Is I don't there... know if it's the best way to put it, but okay. it is a way to put it. Um, uh, well, and, is... and traveling, doing doing my shows and and lecturing and then you know and other things I do. So consulting and directing and things. Yeah. All right. So. There you go. Uh, yeah, you're right. My magic thing. You're right. There magic, right. Yeah. <laughs> you're right the first time. <laughs> okay. You're, right you're gonna give it to me. All right. That, that I had to fight hard for that one. No, you were. Yeah. That's done. Yeah. Okay. Magic gig. Yeah. I don't know all the lingos and stuff mm. like that. So it's fair, man. So yeah, I do a lot of traveling. Um, I've been really lucky that I'm being able to travel. Um, just be around the world, you know, with a deck of cards and uh, hang out and see amazing stuff. So. Yeah, that's really cool. That's why I was asking. So, like, as you do your magic gig, like, do you find that there is um, any sort of similarities with the with the audience or like, oh, I mean, commonalities? Well, sure. I mean, there's definitely people. Um, I think without without signing without stereotyping people or, um, or 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 anything like that, I think there definitely is different magic cultures in different countries. Um, and people re- react to magic uh, in different ways based on so many different uh, aspects um, of things. Um, and uh, whether it be um, socioeconomical, whether it's um, uh, culture, um, uh, religion plays a factor into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people who uh, in the United States who... Uh, I worked at Disney, and when they s- saw that I was going to do magic, they would get upset. And they, would, they would, they would, they would, they said that uh, this is wrong, evil thing. <laughs> so I was doing you know, Satan's work or whatever. Yeah, take your voodoo you know? and hit the road, right? Exactly. Even though it was card tricks and nothing, you know, yeah, uh, like that. And then there's people who genuinely want to believe that as many times as I tell them, mm-hmm. no, this is. These are just card tricks. Yeah. We're having fun. They no, no. I know you have to say that, but yeah. I know you're really real. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. Um, that and then, was, and then that... yeah, and then there's people who are constantly almost the opposite of that, challenging every single thing. No, that's fake. This is wrong. Yeah. You know. So it it just depends. You know, on and wh- where you are, what's going, uh, what you're doing. Uh, I would say that probably the most just for overall amaze factor. Um, when you do magic in Japan, mm-hmm. um, they just get so excited and so amazed. It's so it's the the they just so happy that you're doing things like that. Um, we, and in contrast, when you're in England, they're like, oh, that was good. You know, they still <laughs> like it, but it's like the exact opposite. Stiff uh, upper lip, yeah, just stiff upper lip, exactly. So um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's neat to see that kind of the culture, um, how magic is perceived, how you would make a living in each country doing it. I mean, the way you would do it in England. Um, how you make a living uh, is completely different than what, how you would do it uh, in America. Um, uh, I, I, it would be uh, totally different as you would do it in Australia, so on and so forth. It's 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 interesting to see how uh, magicians themselves um, get around, do things, and um, do their shows. Do their magic gig. Yeah, do their magic gig. Yeah, that you've this new coin, this phrase that you've coined that is really, really good. That I'm all right, you can take it back to the magic castle. I will bring it back to the magic <laughs> castle. Bring it, tell all the, everyone's we're doing a magic gig. You bring up a, a point, which is the how magicians uh, operate and make a living uh, across different countries mm-hmm. and different cultures and stuff. 
And that kind of is really the theme of the your documentary. Yeah, right. The doc- yeah, the documentary I'm in. I, I want to be very clear that right. I I am merely a subject, and it's Marcy and Christoph who um, have put their heart and soul into actually creating it. But uh, but yeah, I uh, I am. I think the documentary you know, I've seen it now three times really shows, and it's probably the first film that really shows what it's like to do this for a living, what sacrifices you make, um, what decisions you have to do, uh, what your day-to-day is like if you decide, yeah, I'm going to do card tricks for a living. Mm-hmm. You know what that's going to be. And uh, that, that in itself is, I think, kind of interesting. It's really a movie about not how magic works, but why it works and, and why people decide to do it and, uh, and, uh, and, and really how they're able to make a living doing it. Not really how the tricks work. Yeah, it's, I find it really interesting because it's, the the whole thing, like you said, when you were talking about magic, is that a lot of people are like, I want to know how you did that, or like you did it this way or that way, or and there's all, all these right. different theories. But what's cool about the documentary is that it kind of goes back and like the access that they were able to have and to see the magicians. So you're actually getting a reveal of the magicians, not the magic, if that makes sense. Right. And so that was kind of neat just to see that window and see how you guys operate. Um, and then you're all in various stages of your career too. Yeah, definitely. I w- and, and, and in different ways, you know, because um, uh, when it comes to a guy like, say, um, Brian, Brian is, he'd hate me saying this, uh, is older than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's, um, he's been there. He was, you know, he was Johnny Carson's favorite magician, you know. Johnny Carson was off the air as, as, a, uh, as a performer before, before I ever got into my professional career, you know right. what I mean? So... It's a completely different era, and then him sort of like writing what it would be like to get back in, you know, get get back up on top. Uh, and David's a completely different guy. I, I specialize more in uh, comedy type stuff. I, I'm very varied in what I do. Um, I'm uh, I do a lot of card magic, but it's still I, I perform on stage a lot. And I perform in different venues. Um, and but whereas as uh, David Minkin is uh, is far more of a close-up magician. Contrast is it really concentrates on that and does magic and all different types of stuff. And so him having to like sort of come out with his own venues and go what he's trying to do. And, you know, and his his pursuit was to, to do TV and um, to be sort of more famous. Um, and then a guy like John, who is just, you know, a stage illusionist. When mm-hmm. you would most people think of as a magician, he's that guy. Swords and, and, and flames. And yeah, swords and flames and dancing girls. Right. And he... Um, He's doing a show in Vegas. He's trying to compete in an extremely competitive market. And that's interesting. I think that all that's interesting. And I, I, this is probably the first film that's really shown that there's an entire sub-market um, that of magicians who lecture to other magicians uh, and bring and, and really try to... And when I say other magicians, I mean magic hobbyists, magic enthusiasts, people who sort of do it as a part-time pro or they're just, you know, do it for their grandkids or whatever. And... Um, there I, and that, that's a huge market where you can actually sell and make a living just lecturing and being on the road, which is something I do all the time. So, so let's get into your, I guess, origin story, for lack of a better term. Okay, my origin story. I you, love that. Uh, yeah, comic book references already. Uh, comic book references already. What came first was because you are uh, even in the film you talk about being an, a geek and kind of growing up with comic books and things like that. So, yeah. what came first, comic books or the magic? For comics you? came first. Um. Comics were um, the way that I was able to enjoy reading. I am dyslexic, and um, it, it probably and it's probably linked to sort of more like ADD type stuff. And because of that, um, reading um, normal books uh, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, pages would swirl. Things would just I couldn't do it, and I have to add concentration. But when I discovered comics. The, the pictures and the small word bubbles and balloons and such um, were uh, were easy for me to digest. And then I could then pick that up and then I could like anchor myself in the story and like I had the visual of the, of the art to sort of light, guide me so that I can enjoy reading because otherwise reading was an incredible chore. And, um, and that's really, really that's, that started there. And then um, as far as... Um, and the, in the books I was reading, I was, I was always a Batman guy. Um, Yo, high five for Batman. High five for Batman, man. Yeah. He's the best. Yeah. Um, it's weird. It's like in the, I was really a DC guy for years um, b- 
because I, I, I didn't like the uh, ingratitude of the Marvel Universe. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. Break it down, because this is getting heavy now. Okay, because I, did, I always liked the idea that superheroes, that people liked superheroes. I didn't think they had to always trust superheroes, but I liked the idea that, for the most part, people accepted superheroes in their everyday life. That, like, Superman saves the cat out of the tree, Superman saves the day, Batman, you know, saves the city, whatever, and everyone's happy. You know, yay, Batman, yay, Superman. Right. I was okay with that. Like, I wanted that. Whereas in the the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. the X Men would save something, and they would go, "Ah, I hate you, mutant, <laughs> stupid mutant," you know, or like you know, Spider Man menace. Yeah, like, Spider Man, you're a menace. Right. You're you know, and that was more like I, I that I was almost tolerable I, because it was the idea that some people liked him, some people didn't like him, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But like everyone just universally hating mutants for no reason. Like this person with powers is totally okay. Yeah. But this person with powers because they're a mutant bad yeah like i just thought that was incredibly like just come on they're helping you (laughs) be nice to them what is your problem yeah so i had so that's what i i I really didn't get into the marvel universe when i was a kid but now it's almost the opposite like i read so much more marvel um when it comes to mainstream books i read a lot of non-mainstream books but when it comes to mainstream books i have so much more marvel and that's really because of the marvel cinematic universe yeah um i love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, they're and, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, they're great stuff. And uh, the cap, the Captain America, not not the Captain America necessarily from the comics and the mm-hmm. history of the comics, but the Captain America of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, genuinely one of my favorite characters. So I like the idea of a man at a time, a man completely dis- displaced from his life. He, you know, but yet still is trying to do the right thing. Like I think that's a really really great premise. So Batman and, and Marvel Captain America are my two favorite characters. Which if you think about it, what? Like yeah. that is too weird. Yeah, that's contrast. light and day. Yeah. That is light and night and day. But um, but that that's it. And then uh, as far as uh, the magic goes, like I was, I grew up in Orlando, uh, cultural center of the world, as I always call it. <laughs> <laughs> when I grew up in Orlando, we're on theme parks and you know uh, Disney and stuff. And Florida's then, a weird place. It's a weird place. Like, nobody's been to Florida. It's a uh, it's got a mi- like it is. You're actually accurate. There's a mishmash of cultures it, and like it's, it's a bizarre. It's a bizarre. Well, mostly because I mean, in Orlando, like Florida itself, the entire state, you, you can't categorize it as one thing. Mm-hmm. The Panhandle is basically uh, Lower Alabama. You know, <laughs> it's like the Redneck Riviera. Yeah. It's essentially what that is. <laughs> you know, and then then you go down a little further, and then that's what I call the Liberal South, and that's basically the I four corridor, Tampa, uh, Orlando, Daytona Beach. That middle section is that's why that state has turned blue at certain times because of the middle. Mm-hmm. And then down below, you have um, uh, the Fort Lauderdale, which is God's waiting room. You <laughs> yes. know, <laughs> it's basically yeah. what's going on there. You yeah. know, it's just really old retirees from yeah. up north. And then, like, uh, then Miami, which is upper Cuba, and yeah. it's a huge Cuban population, very and, and a, an amazing culture. Um, very Vegas like too. Very yeah, and it very nightlifey and you yeah. know like you know like out the and all beach related. Very very you know it's, tr- it's the tropics and then Key West, which is like like an alien planet. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know it's so bizarre that town well, and and all great. Like I love all those places um, in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, I grew up in Orlando, so I grew up like in essentially where you know it was theme parks, it was Disney and Universal and Sea World, and that's that's what I saw. So I saw magicians. In those theme parks, and I was like, ah, I want to do that. Yeah, I want to do that." And I just was really captured by it. And um, and I was lucky enough that my my mentor, who still performs at Disney to this day, twenty seven years later, um, it's amazing. Yeah, right. Does a show uh, has done more magic. I I calculate that he has done more magic than any person on the planet because he has done five to six shows a day, five to six days a week. For the last twenty-seven years, that's surreal. Right? That's crazy. That's, that's a amazing. lot of amazing. That's a lot of magic. That's a lot of magic. That's a lot of deck of cards and all kinds of yeah. stuff. Yeah, and he's good too. He's great and and and, and totally an amazing teacher. His name's Terry Ward, and uh, Terry was my um, not only my one of my inspirations, but my my mentor. And because of that, I was able to sort of develop in my stuff, and um, he sort of guided me. Um, it still does. I still talk to him on a regular basis. And um, you yeah. gave him a shout out too in uh, your comic book, right? Yeah, I named our lead character after him. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Smoke and Mirrors, an IDW book. But I wanna, I wanna go back to the okay. to the nerd thing for a second. Sure, man. So 
in the documentary you talk about now you've kind of you re- had reached a certain point where you decided to kind of take ownership of it yeah like of the of being a nerd of being a geek yeah. i think you used geek you used the word geek and um there is kind of like um i think there was and you mentioned too the marvel cinematic universe really before all that kind of exploded mm-hmm. there was kind of like a loneliness or stereotype kind oh, of yeah. associated with nerdery and then to combine that with magic it must make it even more Lonely is that accurate? I think so. I mean, my my three passions in life are comics, magic, and theme parks. I mean, like really, <laughs> it's pretty sad. It's yeah. like it boils right down to it. Uh, yeah, but uh, you're I, not getting uh, invited to a lot of parties. Yeah, are you're you? not getting invited to a lot of parties. I was not. I mean, I was lucky enough that I went for the last couple of years. I went to sort of like a. I, I did like the performing arts magnet in my school, and so because of that. Like I, you know, I was around other dorks, so I was king dork. I was the the president of my drama thespian club and things like that. <laughs> you know, I was king dork. Yeah. But so it, it was okay. Like it was tolerable. But before that, man, like oh, like growing up and being dyslexic, but also sort of I guess being being smart and dyslexic, which yeah. is like this weird, terrible combo. And um, this and, is before and, we had all startup culture too. So like. Yeah. There's was was a no, lot of that stuff. There wasn't anything like that, man. I grew up. I grew up basically in the late '80s, nine, uh, early '90s. That's a bit. Mm-hmm. That's, that was my, you know, forty. Jeez. Yeah. But um, I uh, and then I spent like um a lot of time, you know, just in my room because I just don't want to go around. I don't want to be outside. I don't want to be, you know, around these kids who are beating <laughs> me up essentially. <laughs> yes. And uh, and that's it's that's, hard to pass up. Like, yeah, it's a comic book magic nerd like. <laughs> yeah, I was there. I was yeah. And then yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't have my first kiss until like I was like thirteen. You know, like uh, I, I wasn't around uh, any any anybody like or anything. And the only time I had oh, this is funny about the first kiss is that. I was a girl that I met because we used to go out to the Disney parks all the time, and um, we um, we were there. And she had no idea that at school I was hated and this t- tortured nerd. She thought, <laughs> you know, oh, he's just he's a cute, nice kid. And then and that was that. And so there I was nice, and everywhere else, uh, everywhere else, everyone hated me. Like it mm-hmm. was, yeah, so so weird because I just uh, and I learned very quickly that I I would hide that stuff. That like you know if I didn't tell anybody that I was in the stuff, then you know, they left me alone. And then now it's so insane that like that has become everything. Target has shirts with like Superman on it, man. <laughs> like you get, you know, like all that. It's to be completely honest, I'm a little sad. Like I'm happy that this yeah. is going. I'm glad there's a cottage industry, but at the same time, it's like, man, come on. This in is... a in a weird way, you become mainstream. Yeah, I've become mainstream. Yeah. I, I feel like you know, I you sold, lost your edge. We we've sold out, but we didn't get any money. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad when you yeah, put it that way. It's yeah, so sad, but. I, I look. I'm just glad people are more accepting. I think that's a that's a good thing in general. So, yeah. you talk about how you met your mentor, uh, Sam, doing all the the magic and stuff at uh, all the different theme parks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Why why was it something that you wanted to kind of persist doing it? Because a lot of kids they have interest in like music or something like that, sure. and then they kind of just drop it after a bit. Like why why persist? Mm-hmm. I get why you'd want to like do it because it looks cool. Yeah, it is more about, but it was less than it was less about lo- wanting to look cool or be cool, and more about that this was just I it, it consumed me, like it was genuinely what I spent my time thinking about at all times, and it was what I I could not think of anything else. Like in my mind, and I would say this all the time. My goal is to be a professional magician. Thus, I can have no other goals. All my attention needs to be focused, and I can't have a fallback plan, because if I have a fallback plan, I can fall back. I have to go forward. I have to do this. This is what I'm going to do, and everything is going to be concentrated on this goal. So that's really what came for me. Like, it's just kind of weird, because it's like there is there is no linear path. Like If you want to be a lawyer, you go to law school, and mm-hmm. then you article and then you know what i mean there's like these steps and then suddenly after a certain point you pass the bar then you're a lawyer with magic there is there a linear kind of chronological i think i got in on the tail end before the internet age of when magic was genuinely an apprenticeship trade where my mentor taught me this particular amount of magic taught me how to learn magic loaned me books introduced me to other magicians where I could learn more and really apprenticed me to get me to a certain state and then let me go free in the world. 
I don't think that happens that much anymore. In fact, I don't think it happens at all anymore. Uh, I think most people learn magic or they get into magic from the internet or from YouTube. Uh, YouTube, exactly. And they get and they get into and and that's probably not the best source to be honest um, of how to to do this. But for me, I had someone that was guiding me, who was curating and saying to me, "Okay, this is a good thing for you to learn." This is something where uh, these particular effects are, are smart. This would this would fit your you know your set of who I think you are and what you're doing. Here are some other skills that are not necessarily magic that will help you. Like he made me take drama. I like I said, I did theater and drama, speech and debate. He made me do that um, stuff that was going to get me in a better place as far as being able to speak. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't look anybody in the eye when I was a little kid and, um, and getting me to that, the better place of being comfortable with myself and everything else. So he really guided me. So that's, that's really the path. I think that is to have some, to have a mentor and mentorship in magic, true mentorship in magic really needs to be re-explored because then hopefully we can have, um, Far better, far uh, more rounded magicians. Not just that, not just know how to do these five tricks, but also learn how know, also learn how to learn more, and also learn how to create more. So we can actually advance the art and move it forward. When you're starting out as this kid, and then you have you're being apprenticed, um, how long does it kind of take you to start developing your personality? Kind of start developing your like you said, he's teaching you different tricks, yeah. and like like David Minkin in, in the documentary, he does a lot of levitation, for example, right? Which is right, something yeah. you don't do. I do not do it all. So there's all like you said, there's these different flavors and variations mm-hmm. and things like that. So how do you, how do you start to build up your show and your persona and your magicness? Well, first, I think it's a it's just, it's a it's like a free for all. I think the way that I did and the way that maybe is a path to take is to look at everything there is out there learn as much as possible and then decide what you like and what you want to do and then pursue that. Um, but that first knowledge base of learning what everything is uh, in magic, I think, is, is a strong way to start. Uh, for me, though, personality-wise, like I, my, first sup- my first gig, my first real solid gig, I was 20, and, they le- uh, and I got a job performing at the Rosen Crown Pub at Epcot, at the, uh, in the Epcot theme park, and I had to be fake English. I had to put on an English accent. <laughs> Why? Right? Why? Because they... I was I was I was performing in England. I had to be English. Yeah. It was Disney. You know, you yeah. had to be you know the fake accent. So I learned really quick how to do that accent and how to make it work and make it play. And then from there, I created an act that was basically the ver- the British version of me, whatever, whatever that meant, and decided to do magic that I liked to do, but that I thought supported this character, that would this British character. And the problem was is that then five years later, when I decided to leave Disney and I'm going to go out to Vegas and I'm going to do the show in Las Vegas, I didn't want to do the accent anymore. I just wanted to be me. But I had this material that I'd been working on for such a long time. And then when I did the, the act, the way that I did it in England at the, at the, the, the theme park, I was British and everyone loved me and it was funny and it was, it was great. And I would be the, the exact same way, but without the accent, people just thought I was a jerk because the accent, that American, that, uh, the British accent, man, that totally, you know, yeah. that does it for people that somehow you can get away with being snarky. Yeah. And so how can I be sarcastic, which is who I really am? Um, how can I be kind of snarky, but yet not be offensive and not rub people the wrong way? Because already there's an adversarial aspect to magic that's bad you mm-hmm. know like i'm doing this i can do this and you can't ha 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 you know how do you get rid of that and it took there's me a, a con man aspect to it too there is i mean you can play you play to that i mean i i personally like i've avoided you know um uh, lots of things in magic like i've never stolen anything of any person yeah you know and brian who does it in the film he gets a lot of big reaction from it and he i'm sure he when would he debate takes me the watches you're yeah he, he yeah exactly he steals watches then brings up, gives them back. I mean, yeah. <laughs> make sure everyone understand. When I say a watch steal, it's a theatrical thing where you say steal a watch and then say, here, here's your watch back. Yeah. His, but, his line is like, here's a gift for you. And, and yeah, you get, them, the, you get the free watch. You and, get yeah, the free watch. Exactly. So, and uh, don't be wrong, huge reaction. People remember it. And I, I get that. But that's not, that's not what I, uh, how I ever wanted to be. I never wanted to come across as a con man or, uh, or anybody who was um, going to steal their stuff. Um, I, I was very, I looked at it 
much like a superhero looks like him. I had a power set. And if you saw Spider-Man just instantly being able to start flying, you'd be like, he can't do that. Yeah, I know. That's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, you've seen like in movies where they kind of screw with the, the, the powers of the character and we, yeah. all, and we all sit there as nerds going, come on, that's yeah. not right. That's not canon. You know? <laughs> but the civilians are like, that was a good movie. Yeah, exactly. Well, it depends. <laughs> depends. <laughs> yeah. but, but I think, I, I personally would much rather have people immediately be able to identify what I can do by my power set. So because even though, yes, you get a great reaction stealing a watch. And yes, you get a re- great reaction floating a ring or whatever it is. I want to do the things that people then know me for so that I'm not just a magician, a generic magician that can do everything, that I'm John Armstrong. Mm-hmm. And that brand is my, is my superhero. And my, and my superpowers is the power sets that I feel I can, I do, which I, I mean, without, uh, I feel like I have a supernatural control of playing cards and that I can do things with cards that people really shouldn't be able to do. And, uh, and then a few other minor effects that are involved, like stationary supplies, like rubber bands. And that's oh, yeah. what it. was the one you called it on, on Saturday night? You did some tricks here on PGH called, I think you called the rubber band Herman or. Oh yeah. Herman the rubber band. Yes. Herman. Herman yeah. Herman, yes. Yeah. I did a rubber band and then you the rubber band finds the card. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. No, um, that was super cool. Thank uh, you. Thanks. Thank, thank you for doing some magic. Oh, here. no problem. Man. No, no, I really, yeah, it was fun. It's a, it's a fun place you got here. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, we, uh, uh, I, I just wanted to, for people to know exactly what they were getting into. Mm-hmm. And that I didn't want to be a magician. I wanted to be John Armstrong who can do these really great things. And that was very, was very important to me. So that's where it all kind of came from for, um, as far as like figuring out what I wanted to do, my branding, the character. The character really, uh, after years of being fake English and having to put on a big character, mm-hmm. I realized I'm just going to take these parts of myself that are really who I am, these geeky parts of myself. Because I was... Especially in the film. If you, I mean, I, I've lost a lot of weight now, but like if you look at me in the film, like I yeah. am white, I am doughy, I am, I'm 75 pounds heavier than I am right now. And, um, that's who I was. I looked in the mirror and like I was not a sex symbol. I shouldn't be, you know, like <laughs> doing stage illusions, you know, with pretty girls and like fans blowing in my long hair. Yeah. Yeah. Know? So the, like the ruffled blouse. And yeah. That. Exactly. I can't do any of that stuff. So like I, I wanted to make sure that I was always coming across as a genuine person. Cause I think it was, I'm not doing necessarily a genuine thing because I cannot tell you exactly what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm purporting what I'm doing is is interesting and and above uh, above average you know skill or supernatural skill. It's not supernatural. I don't play anything supernatural, but so you know hyper skill, and that's disingenuous. So I thought it'd be far better for me to be just who I am on stage and off stage and be as genuine as I possibly could be as a person so that you were far more interested in this ungenuine thing that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it all came from. It almost sounds like misdirection in a way, does it? Or yeah, not? I don't really think it's misdirection. Misdirection I mean, is, is an overused term. Let's start there. Uh, and um, misdirection you is, 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 ver- is varied in so many different ways with so many different types of misdirection. Um, that, I think, is just a is, is probably falls far more under the idea of a presentational ploy. The idea that I, that this person is, is who is performing for you and not a character that you get to know somebody, you know, my, my goal at all, sh- at every show is for people to come out and want to be my friend. Like when they leave my show, they're like, wow, that guy's great. I want to hang out with that guy. And like, that's what I want. And the reason why is one, I think that's a good feeling to give people, but two, it's marketing. Because mm-hmm. if they're leaving the show and they want to be my friend, who do you hire? You hire your friends. That's true, yeah. So that's that's the idea. Like I, I it was a way for me to perpetuate, you know, my business and most of my clients, the people that hire me for gigs, corporate gigs or shows that I do, they hire me over and over again because I'm professional. Easy to work with, and they feel like you know I'm going to do a great show, and they're they think of me as a friend. They think of me, I'm John, their friend. Yeah, who I want to make sure John gets work, and that's a really important thing. And in terms of branding, then where along your journey did the uh, the tiny plunger come in? Oh, the tiny plunger. Mm-hmm. 
Because um, that's part of your branding, I met, too. I met Tiny Plunger at a comic book convention, actually. There we go. Back to uh, everyone. Yeah, I met him at WonderCon. Uh, we, uh, I, was perf- I, was, I was actually sp- I was pimping smoke and mirrors uh, in the early days. And then um, there was a table full of like Japanese animation-y stuff. And they had this, this, this little plunger thing. And I, I immediately thought, okay, there's something I can do with this. This is going to be a big thing. And I took a long time to like figure out what the presentation was and really how I was going to do it. And I finally settled upon an idea that where I was kind of selling it, like I was like pitching it as though it was a product, mm-hmm. uh, this ridiculous thing. You're um, almost like your assistant. Like yeah, a, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm letting him. I, I'm personific- It's a personification of the prop. I'm letting him be the performer, and I am sort of like pitching him as though like a sideshow, mm-hmm. like you know, see the amazing headless man, you know, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. And like that's kind of what I'm doing, and um, it really worked for me. And it's a different beat. It's a different rhythm um, than a lot of uh, how what I speak of in the other parts of my show. So once I was able to to find that rhythm and make it funny. Then uh, what I loved about it was that I was able to say um, say these lines that obviously I've been saying a gajillion times and then come out of it and talk to the audience directly and then go back into my little pitch and then come back. So that I was having this genuine conversation with them at the same time that I was also, quote unquote, pitching this product. I didn't really sell. I mean, I do kind of sell them, to be honest. But um, that I don't really sell on the show, but that he's, I'm making it uh, the pl- the plunger of the hero. Mm-hmm. And it's to the point now, right, where people see it, you know, the, these, these, I guess, fans of mine, and I bring out the thing, and I'll have half the audience go, yay, tiny plunger! <laughs> <laughs> and the other half of the crowd's like, why are they applauding yeah. for the little tiny plunger? <laughs> yeah. So it's really, yeah, it's kind of fun. And uh, I've been able to be, uh, it's been super successful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a company in Japan that makes magic toys. And it's called Tenyo. And they are very, very, very famous in Japan. And um, they occasionally will ask magicians if they can get the pro- the rights to things so they can actually have like a, they have a stars of magic line for things that they consider to be iconic magic props. Um, and they, I have my pictures on a Tenya box with the tiny plunger. You've you know, made it now. I, I license, exactly. You know, High like, five for that. If you got some, if you could make an indent in Japanese culture, then. Like, yeah, it was great. Like, I mean, I'm really hitting like. And that's the thing. Like I, I have a there's a where I'm being very snarky to Marcy in the movie, and I'm sitting there and I'm talking about all my the goals that I had as a kid and I've achieved all my goals, right? Um, which is you know just totally me. I mean it's a very snarky me thing to do. Um, but after that, I've done some other interesting things. Like I've been able to direct um, some uh, some other shows. Like I, I direct magic shows. I directed. Two gentlemen, uh, David and Lehman, who are um, on America's Got Talent and have done very, very well. And I've directed their shows. And then another couple um, people, a guy named Nick Paul and another um, magician named Simon Cornell, who do some really, really great magic. And I've been able to do that. I've been able to direct shows at conventions and work on other projects. I've been able to do more theme park related projects where I've actually created like theme park stuff. And Florida for the wind, coming that experience. I again. know, right? Exactly. I the there's magic right now that's going on in a theme park in Hong Kong. It's the Hong Kong Disney Park where they're doing tricks that I that I created uh, for uh, this Mickey and the Magical Book Show. It's called, and <laughs> it's great. Like I mean. Being able to like do all these sort of random things as a kid that I always looked like, oh, I want to, I love this stuff. Mm-hmm. I've been able to work very, um, I've been able to work a little bit in each one of my hobbies, which is kind of fun. And then, uh, and magic's always been sort of the, the way I've been able to get into that. And how do you like, like you mentioned, like you have all these this, different uh, activities and things that you kind of do, um, but how do you need to first build up a show and then how do you, how do you know what what's working in a show? It's not working. How do you know how to build up a show so that you have like as you kind of moved away from the British and then you start to rebuild kind of like the American John is my friend. Sure, right. How do you start to know what's working or what to add or what, what to take away? It, or? It, it's about audience reaction. Uh, I'm very lucky that um, I was always in places where I could do lots of shows. You can do lots of shows at the Magic Castle and you can do lots of shows at Disney where I would constantly be able to like put myself put a, put a new thing out there into the world. And it wasn't getting a reaction. Okay, so is it not getting a reaction? This is sort of in my head, you know. So like, uh, is it not getting a reaction because um, this is bad? Is it the trick? Is it the timing? Is, did that did I not sell that line? Did I not 
did they not see what I was doing? I did that you know? And I'm think and I'm sort of dissecting it. So okay, so now I do it again. I cha- I tweak this, this, and this, and I do it again. Okay, getting better reaction here, but now it's not playing right. So right here, tweak, 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 tweak. And you're constantly putting your uh, putting that stuff out there. The only way you can really understand uh, magic is not created in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. You can't uh, without an audience person there to really get it. Um, you you can only go so far. I can practice in a mirror, but then I'm looking down to see how things are looking in a mirror. So that's not good practice. I can practice with a video camera, so I film it and then watch it. And that's good. That's a good thing, way to, to get myself to a practice level. But I will never be on my own without another human being there. I will never be able to know if that completely um, uh, amazes them. Right. If they're, if they're going to be sucked into whatever it is that I'm trying to do. It's like tickling so, yourself. It's like tickling myself. Right. And there's, that's another documentary. At the, <laughs> the film festival. Tickle. Uh, that'd probably be like an after midnight screening or something. Yes, tickling yourself. <laughs> tickling yourself, yeah. Right. We can talk after we wrap this up. Yeah, let, let's can... not, actually. Let's yeah, okay. not talk about that at all. All right, <laughs> we'll just let that go. Okay, good. So how long does it kind of take you now to master a trick or once you've developed a new something? Like you said, you had the tiny plunger and you it, you need to stew a little bit on it for a couple of years. But as you start to actually work with cards and things like that, how long does it kind of take you to master a trick? Hmm. Or is you that even a hard... That You know what? why that's a hard question to answer? Because there are some things I still don't know if I've actually mastered. Um, I think a true artist never stops learning. And that the moment I think I am a master at anything is the moment I've died. Is the moment that I have stopped moving forward. The moment that my art has stopped moving forward. That I am no longer... Um, generating at the my optimum percentage. There is always something to improve. There is always something for me to be able to add, take away, um, change, tweak something. So I can be very good at something. I make jokes all the time in my show about I'm really good at this. Like I say that, like this is part of my my cocky attitude. Um, but I'm, but I am, I am good at this. But you I don't are, know. Yeah. But I don't know if I am the expert at anything. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't know if I am the master at anything. Because once again, like the title master magician, ugh, like I don't <laughs> yeah. want that title. I just want to be the guy who does something really, really well and just keep doing it. Um, full, complete mastery of uh, of something um, is not. I something takes a lifetime, and I think maybe when I hit my 80s 40 years from now you know i can look back and say okay here's where i probably probably hit the peak of um of what this is and this is and this is probably the best as this is ever going to be mm-hmm. but i i don't want ever want to i don't want to think about that i want to just keep moving forward 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 you mentioned losing the, a lot of weight I did. and then uh, which is great um but does the does the skills and stuff the discipline that you need to have for the to create your tricks to do your tricks to practice all that kind of stuff does that translate into other areas of your life as well? I think so. That's interesting you put that. You know, it's funny. Is uh, I've been dealing with some other um, some other issues uh, <laughs> that I have. Let's just leave it at that. And then uh, I'm just sticking to the magic and comics. That's, that's right cool, now. Betty. No, yeah. but no, but I, I uh, and I have. It takes me like uh, a moment. To realize, you know, I can do it as long as I put myself into it. Uh, I changed um, almost 40 years of bad eating habits. I changed 40 years of, of bad workout habits. I've changed and I changed them. Why? Because I felt I had to do it. Like I had to do it and I put my mind to it and there was no plan B. I had to do it. So it is very similar to what you yeah, about exactly. with Matt. No yeah, fallback that, plan. No fallback plan, and that's how it was. And I think that's the same thing I'm doing right now in these other issues in my life, where I'm trying to really work out some emotional things that I I've had to deal with, um, and uh, and I really sort of focusing on this. There's no there's no fallback plan. This is just what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to live my life, and um, and I can do that. I, I I think my discipline is very disciplined when I put myself in this tunnel-like focus and then when i don't put myself in that tunnel-like focus i am all over the place and uh, and i think that's a product of sort of the add and the um dyslexia that i'm just rah, all over the place <laughs> but when i do s- buckle down and go mm, like focus then i 
Like when uh, Bruce Wayne decided to become Batman and went exactly. on that journey. I will go on the journey. Yeah. And I will meet, uh, <laughs> I'll build a card and I'm going to, to train. And yeah. that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Go uh, up on that mountaintop with the monks. and the Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, like Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, go up and uh, training with the Ancient One. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Going back now to the documentary, I just want to um, ask, like, why why did you choose to be in this documentary? Because obviously there was, like, I know Marcy's hooked up at the Magic Castle, so there was any kind of, there was any number of magicians you could have asked and stuff like this, or you could have said no or recommended somebody else. Why did you say yeah? Why did I say yes? Um, Because I liked Marcy, and I liked what she was trying to do, and she, um, being that she understands magic because she has studied it herself and she's quite scholarly in the art, she spoke my language. She was able to um, really um, say to me, not like an outsider, she was able to speak to me um, saying, here's what we're going to do and this is the idea and this is the premise and this is really what I want to do with it and speak to me like someone who understands and not like, oh, uh, you magic guys are so cute and here's what, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, like, like she got it and so right away I was like, all right, I'll do this mm-hmm. and I'll be completely honest. Ask Marcy. Ask her who the biggest pain in the ass <laughs> it is to film all these years. Yeah. She's going to tell you me. Yeah. Because it's so intrusive and it's so not necessarily what I um what I would want uh, my day-to-day life to be. People who live on reality shows, yeah. what how are they doing that? Yeah. That is insane. But and you she they were also able to film you at a really um Difficult time, I guess. Yeah, too. yeah. Like, oh, uh, I, I, if I would have had any idea. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right, but but I'm glad. Like, I'm glad it's there. I'm glad it's all out there, and um, it's a it's a good thing. But 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 yeah, it was a f- super intrusive, and they would uh co- just badger me. Please come here to this. Let me film you. Do can we find you doing this? And I would relent and let them do that. And and I'm really glad because I'm really glad. Uh, I'm in the film, but yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't an easy thing for me. So I, I don't. I want to make sure they get the credit they they deserve. Yeah, and they deserve huge amounts of credits, mostly for putting up with me. Well, they, <laughs> they they also worked on it for four years, right? So that's uh, they've been filming for they filmed for a long time. Yeah, and I and that's another thing I would make I would constantly make jokes about. Are we ever gonna see this? Yeah, what is this about <laughs> the magic then, apocalypse now? Right, and they explained they explained to me like, well, you know, like most documentary features, you know, they they film for years. Any good ones? And I'm like, ah, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> I want to see this tomorrow. Yeah. So and but one of the, and I'll, I'll say one thing going just a little bit back to my weight loss. Uh, they would never let me look at cuts of the film um, or what or, or footage they had made, but, and which is a smart thing, and mm-hmm. I completely agree with that uh, as a decision on them. But uh, I would beg them, um, hey, you guys have filmed with me performing a lot, and I need new promo material, and that would be free as opposed to me paying for somebody to do mm-hmm. it. Can you give me some footage of me performing so that I can use it as promo material? And they did, and they sent me videos, and they helped me out with that. And I would look at these videos and I would look at myself and I was like, all right, something's got to change because mm-hmm. I never really had seen it. You know, you look at a mirror, you're like, oh, he looks the same. You know, it's just, you know, you don't really see it there. But seeing it on the screen and seeing what I was looking like, I was like, wow, okay, that's it. I got to, I got to do something about this or I'm going to die. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm a very unhealthy person. So I will say, and I mean this, um, that movie saved my life. Um, seeing what I looked like and then ma- making sure that I was going to be in a far healthier state afterwards. Uh, I owe them a lot for uh, sort of uh, putting a highlighter on that for me. That's really cool. And I, you referenced that one scene uh, where you are in the, uh, the hotel bed and you're just kind of going through the list on your phone of all right. the things you want. And you, I think you said you'd written it as a child or something like that yeah. when you were I younger. Yeah, I imported it into my phone. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, so you've com- you've accomplished quite a bit. Like, which f- by that time, you had even filmed that scene and you'd written it for comic books, uh, mm-hmm. the Smoke and Mirrors, what we mentioned. Yeah. yeah. And like, um, and now you've been, you said just now you added to it doing some theme park stuff and yeah. like in Hong Kong and all that stuff. So what, what is next now for you? What do you hope? What is next? next? That is always a great question for me. Um, I think I have, I'm trying to move myself away from a local based economy in Los Angeles to a more international based economy. I, um, I've been very lucky that I have found somebody, uh, a relationship in my life, um, a woman who is just 
amazing and uh, and someone who I really care about very much. And uh, we have a dog. She has a dog. She has a dog, which means I have a dog. There's uh, a lot of dogs in the documentary, yeah, too. Yeah, which I, I've never had a dog before, and I never wanted a dog. But now I have a dog, and I love the dog. It's a great dog. See, magicians and dogs. Magicians what? and dogs, man. Dogs in the documentary. <laughs> so, I, uh, so, so I have a dog now. And L.A. is a great place, but I think both of us at one time or another will probably want to move away and find some place that's a little less um, being able to own a, being able being able to own a house is impossible in Los Angeles. So it'd be great to be able to do something like that. But I still want to perform. So I've been working on doing more like cruise ships and things like that, stuff that I would could live anywhere really, and then um, go and perform just by getting on a plane and going out to the thing, working on a non-local-based uh, economy and a more sort of international-based economy, traveling more, doing more tours. And uh, her job is such that she can come with me on a lot of things. So it uh, it works out really, really well. So, yeah, it's good. And um, that's kind of my thing is really pursuing that market, putting myself in there. Um, I just finished uh, my terms as the uh, as the chairman of Board of Trustees of the Magic Castle I'm kind of done with magic politics for now, so I'm uh, kind of moving on from that. And I think really my my next sort of big goals are producing more um, magic-based content from the material that I've created, um, working on other people's shows, directing other shows, uh, directing my friend's shows, and also uh, becoming more of a magic sort of director, which is something I've been really, really into. And then, yeah, just working on uh, the, the cruise ship show and the, the traveling show. and, and, uh, and Any more comic books? Uh, I have a couple things. We, Me and Costa are retooling the idea of um, working on some more volumes of, uh, of Smoke and Mirrors as a, um, as a Kickstarter type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Mike now, Mike Costa is um, a writer on the show Lucifer, the TV show. Yeah. And um, on Fox back in the States. I don't know what it is up here. Yeah, we have um, Fox. Yeah. On Fox up here. Yeah. And uh, he's doing a great, he's doing a uh, great job of that. And so we're working on, we want to kind of do a couple things. Um, there's another project that I have um, that is kind of a powers project that uh, I'm, I've been trying to find an artist for. We're gonna, and we're going to do something hopefully uh, uh, independently. It's the next thing I'm going to publish. Uh, next thing I'm going to uh, to pitch uh, at Comic Con, and then. I'm still going to just read a bunch and go to a lot of movies. I got Captain yeah. America Civil Wars next week, man. Yeah. yeah. No, this week. This week. Like this two, week. Three, two days. Yeah. Three days. Three days, yeah. Man, oh boy. Yeah. I can't wait. And then uh, we got the X-Men Apocalypse as well coming up. Too, yeah, right? that looks pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. I, I actually like... I. Other uh, People debate me on this, but I love Days of Future Past. I thought it was great. Yeah, the... The, so the first three X-Men movies uh, with like they shot back in the day way back yeah. in the day right they all shot them here on, in Ontario here around in Toronto oh, and I did Hamilton not know that. yeah oh, that's great and so now since they've seemed to move the production now to another Canadian city Montreal it's for these last three movies or the last two three movies it's gotten better and I guess I guess that was the trick just moving them out of the wrong like, really oh well that's yeah. so strange <laughs> I just don't see why that matters but yeah okay. Okay. That seems. What are you reading these days, though? What am I reading? Uh, I am reading uh, Saga, which uh, Brian it's K. Bond is. It's how he keeps doing that. Man, yeah, is amazing. He's so good. Chew is another book I really love. I haven't gotten to Chew, but I've heard some good. It's things. great. Yeah, and it's it's ending now. So it's a kind of thing where if you uh, if you started in trades, mm-hmm. you have, you, if you started in trades now, you'd be able to finish the entire series. Okay. Um, really, really, really great stuff. Um, love that book. Um, really like, uh, been reading, uh, I reread all of the, the, um, uh, the Brubaker criminal stuff. Yeah. Um, love Brubaker. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's just... so nice. He's, I've actually met him. I've hung out with him. He's a cool dude. He's really like magic. We've, we've talked a bunch of times. He's great. Uh, and, uh, um, as far as like capes and tights go, um, the, the new, the all new, all, uh, the Marvel, all new Marvel stuff for, uh, Doctor Strange is great. Yeah. It's so good. If you've never read a Doctor Strange comic before, which I'll completely admit, I've only read a few things, like The Oath, speaking of Brian K. Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was you, a good one too, though. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. But, uh, and it actually talks about my kind of magic too in it, if you, if you read it. Um, but, uh, if you, t- uh, if you read, uh, um, uh, anything. If you've never read Doctor Strange before, if you have no idea what the character is about, if you're like, oh, they're going to make a movie. I wonder what this is What this is going to be. Read this new run of Doctor Strange. It is so Jason good. Jason Aaron. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's great. 
Great, great, great. Um, DC wise, I mean, you know, you gotta. It looks uh, Scott Snyder. Uh, the Batman run just all, finished. Yeah, just finished. Anything that was a great yeah, run, wasn't it? So Unbelievable. Good. A Court of Owls is great. You know, all that stuff was really, really good. You know, but like I said, I, I have to admit, I don't read as much DC as I used to. It's now mostly just it's the Bat books. I've collected the Bat books still, and I. Um, well, after the New Fifty Two, Batman still kind of was one of their like stronger books, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah exactly. And I don't think that book ever waned. And um, uh, but I and this new rebirth thing, I think, is basically it's supposed to be reset the counter back onto the anyway. Who knows? I, I know. I am. It's too much of this, <laughs> this, that, and the other thing. All I know is that um, I really, really, really like uh, what Scott Snyder did on that run. That's some really, really, really yeah. great uh, bat writing. Him and Greg too on the art. Greg, Polo. yeah, like, Greg Polo, that yeah. was uh, that was a good Batman got, and Robin. Just got my I just got my new black and white statue with Greg. Sorry, that's. Uh, that's Oh, that's great! Nice, that's great stuff. Yeah, he uh, um, he's great. What else is uh, out there that I really, really love? Um, With your I, background, have you read Unwritten? I have not read Unwritten, but I know of it. Yeah, yeah I think there's some interesting things in there. I think you should like check that check out. Check that out. Yeah. Okay, that's uh, I'll, I'll I'll add that to the list. I um, I have to admit I'm on the road a lot now, so um, I'm constantly reading on my iPad. So mm-hmm. that I mean, uh, my Comicsology and my individual apps. That I use for that. Um, oh, and Hellboy. I, I, oh, Hellboy is so much fun. I still read. I still read Hellboy, and I still read a uh, BPRD. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I love that stuff. And um, they've been doing some really interesting stuff where they've been going back into the history of BPRD with like Hellboy and uh, Lobster Johnson. Did you read those? Yeah, books? yeah, yeah. Love, like I love Nor. Like yeah. that's that's fun for me. Like mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite sort of Outworld esque type book. Um, that's that Marvel did, even though they don't call it Elseworlds there, but um, was uh, Spider Man Noir? Did you yeah, read that? Yeah, yeah, I love that. It book. was set in the twenties or thirties or something like that. Yeah, yeah it was Noir, it was like thirties. Yeah, yeah, and it was great. And I love that book. I thought that book was really, 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 uh, really fun. That was one of the better ones of the Noir. They released about four or five of those ones, and they were all kind of uneven in terms. Right, Spider Man Noir was really great. Yeah, yeah, uh, I like that book a lot. And then um, the uh, uh, what and uh. What was the book I uh oh, oh the new adventures run? Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Mark uh, Wade, man. Yeah, yeah. Mark Wade. That Daredevil run he did was great. Yeah, that was unbelievable. And 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 uh and I really loved uh that event I really loved that adventure stuff. Sh- uh loved the premise of that Hulk run he was trying. Remember that? Yeah, they had, that kind of got didn't it really, didn't go anywhere, yeah, man. But it could have been so great. But I love the premise. I love the idea is like, hey, let me do the science, and I'll let then I'll let the big guy do other things for right. you. And I thought that was a great premise. And then it didn't go anywhere because Wade too takes he's like a cup of tea. Like you can't just put the tea bag in and just drink it right away. You need to let it steep a while, mm-hmm. right? There are certain writers. Jonathan Hickman is another one where you just need to let it build and build and build. And even like Snyder's run on Batman, you could tell he was like, oh yeah, I know he was building all that stuff. I mean, basically, he just took all that Gates from Gotham stuff and sort right. of moved it forward. It was. Yeah, no, no, no. I yeah, we could talk all day like this. Yeah, this I know. Is, we gotta is, wrap those up because I'm sure you have other things to do. I do have. Those. I have to go now. Uh, do press for uh, the next thing. Yeah, uh, but uh, this is great, man. Thank you so much, John Armstrong, for coming in and uh, just doing some magic too, and like the other night. And uh, thank you for the documentary. The documentary is called Magicians: Life, Life and the Impossible. Impossible. Yeah. And uh, there's a couple more screenings coming up at Hot Docs, hotdocs.ca. And then hopefully it'll either like sell or end up on Netflix or well, one so, of the, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, this has been uh, John Armstrong and My Summer Lair.